there, Lashes and Survivor Girls. We want to know who we're looking at. Welcome to another episode of the Creepin' Real Horror Cast. Tell me your name and I'll tell you mine. Why are you being so creepy? I want to see what your insides look like. Oh, it's full of tacos and enchiladas and Mexican food and probably a little bit of beer and G Fuel because I'm a nerd. It's probably <laughs> mostly G Fuel because you're... You're pounding some of that now. Yeah. Because you can't stay awake. <laughs> but welcome back to another episode of the Creepin' Real Horror Cast, ladies and gentlemen. And as Meg mentioned it, we love your insides. Your insides are fantastic. Full of rainbows and unicorns and all other types of bullshit. So enjoy this next episode where we, uh, I'm pretty sure you've seen the the title, we're going with Scream on this one, ladies and gents. Yes, we are. But before we get into that, we want to thank you guys so much for joining us every week, as you do. If you haven't hit the button yet, subscribe, and we will drop in your favorite podcatcher every week. And as always, comment, like, share, five-star reviews are always appreciated. And we thank you, thank you so much for joining us every week for We Can't Do This Without You. Yeah, I mean, I uh, took a look at our numbers uh, up to date, I mean, and we've, uh, like, within the last year, have just grown uh, just uh, this crazy amount. And, you know, I'm actually going to put this to you guys. Like, we really want to hear from you guys just to let us know, like, how you think we're doing, what you feel like you want to see, you know, any movies. Uh, just, you know, we like to really kind of build this community. So please just chime in, follow us on Instagram. Uh, find us on Facebook uh, and Slasher, which is the new uh, horror movie-related platform for social media. Uh, it's all dedicated to horror movies, and it is fantastic. It's pretty super fun. Yeah. So, so but yeah, find find us at, at Creepin' It Real, and that's R E E L for those of you who feel that you want to spell it the other way because movie puns. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, find us there, and we really want to hear from you. So please, just drop us a, a comment saying, hey, how you doing? D- give us the poop emoji. I don't care. Just something that let us know that you guys are there. So a Poop emoji? Poop emojis. I don't care. It could be the dolphin emoji. Just something. Just go, hey, how you doing? How's your day going? I mean, I'd rather not have a poop emoji. <laughs> I'd like to think I'm doing a better job. Well, you know, whatever. Am so. I am I worthy of a poop emoji? Do I need to fix it? No. Well, I'm, I'm feeling a little insecure, Craig. Oh my god! It's I just I creeping. opened up a floodgate. I'm uh, sorry. I'm hot. Oh my god! My palms are sweating. Here, have some have some fuel. I'm starting to get a little in, a little <laughs> a little inside by myself and in my feelings. Oh my god! Okay, I'm gonna pull this train back on the track, <laughs> which is weird for because usually I, I'm the one that's falling off the tracks. Um, so yeah, this week, uh, we are actually finishing up our, uh, Masters of Horror, uh, Wes Craven month with Scream. Right. And this is probably, probably one of our favorite, uh, Wes Craven films to do. I mean, uh, this is one of those films that we've seen countless times. And so well, it was just one of those like, eh. Let's do it. Uh, yeah, this was a good one to end the month on, seeing as we did Nightmare on Elm Street over a year ago. And that one's probably the most well-known of what Craven's done. We did a couple that were sort of deeper cuts. Uh, we did his first film. So 
I like that we ended on a pretty high note. Part of it is, too, being children of the 90s, growing up in that era. Scream came out when I was in middle school. It was, like, prime time for us to get into those sorts of movies. It was the return of the teen horror, teen slasher movie. And Scream was Scream was pretty special because it got very meta with itself. It was a bit satirical. Um, it wasn't a straight-up horror film by any stretch. And it, it was Kevin Williamson's love letter to a lot of the slasher genre because there's a lot of callbacks to Black Christmas and When Stranger there's Calls. Like 15 and different movies that are referenced There's so in this film. more than that. There's like 30 that are directly referenced and indirectly referenced, and there's just a ton, too many to really go over here. But he, Kevin Williamson did this weird thing in the 90s where he decided teenagers were more intelligent than they were normally given credit for, and he was right. And he managed to make a buttload of money on this, uh, on the whole like concept of more intelligent teenagers, to varying degrees of success as far as execution goes, because when we did, I know what you did last summer, last month, um, I think we discovered that there's a couple misses in there. Yeah, it's it's funny to <laughs> to when you look back at the just the horror genre and how a lot of directors or, or horror movie creators in general, when they they really try to focus on the teens because they are the most vulnerable. Like they're the easiest to go through. Um, you you could easily hate them when when needed. You can like them. You can feel sympathy for them. So, uh, like, well, kids in general are just easy to really latch onto. So to have like a teen makes it the drama real. Yeah. Um, well, part of it too is because that time in our lives is so awkward and chaotic on so many different levels and there's a natural skew towards melodrama at that age because everything is such a big deal every little thing yeah especially if i remember being a teenage girl correctly everything was a nightmare and end of the world so it's really easy to take those feelings and simply insert into horror movie yeah and now as we just mentioned (laughs) there are times when they really just jack that thing up like it is not good um it really kind of falls uh back into our conversation with uh you know substance and you know concept and execution and things like that uh it's really when all three of those things play into it and they are done well, that's when a, a teen aspect really strives. And I think Scream does that probably probably the best out of all of them. Um, I mean, I know you did last summer. There is parts of that movie that I'm like, like okay, I could deal with you know, dig that. Like uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar's character, she was great because it was very believable. Um, but some of the other characters, I'm like, why? 
no, go away. Yeah, so we're just targeting back to that one because yeah. Kevin Williamson got this movie made so he could get, I know what you did last summer made, even though both movies made a buttload of money, I think in terms of straight up execution, um, Scream overall was a much better film, most likely because it was in the hands of a much more capable director. I know we had a conversation a couple of weeks ago about whether Wes Craven's track record should warrant him as being a master of what he does. Um, go back and listen to that if you get a chance. I think it dropped shortly after Last House on the Left did. Mm-hmm. But Scream. So Scream was not written by Wes Craven. This one was just he picked the script up and directed it through Miramax's horror arm, Dimension Films. <laughs> and uh, we, we read the trivia that he actually was going to pass on the project because he wanted to move away from horror but then a 10 year old i guess called him out on his shit yeah and he was saying like oh like what happened to you and like yeah 10 year old said he'd gotten soft and he wasn't doing what he was doing back in the 70s and i and i looked at craig when i read this and i was like so wes craven did this movie because a 10 year old called him a pussy (laughs) that's crazy (laughs) and guess what that kid walked away with a black eye yeah. And like, a lesson. Right? Don't <laughs> fuck with the horror guy. Yeah, but it's like, so a 10-year-old kid said, oh, like, all your stuff was better back in the 70s with Last House on the Left and The Hills Have Eyes. And then he's just like, the fuck you say? I'm going to go ahead and do this and just prove that 10-year-old wrong. And he did. <laughs> Scream was released on December 20th, 1996. It... Had a pretty slow start, but thanks to very positive word of mouth, that ended up grossing $173 million worldwide. Um, it starred Nev Campbell as Sidney Prescott, Skeet Ulrich as Billy Loomis, Rose McGowan as Tatum, Matthew Lillard as Stu, Jamie Kennedy as Randy, David Arquette as Dewey, Courtney Cox as Gail, and Drew Barrymore as Casey. Two of my favorite names out of that like that whole list that you just came, came up with. So we have... Billy Loomis being played by Skeet. Who names their kids Skeet? Like, that sounds like a nickname at ah, best. Skeet, Skeet, goddamn! <laughs> like, the, the whole time I'm sitting there watching this and, like, it's like, oh, there's Skeet. Skeet, 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 I think part of it is because we got broken because we yeah. grew up during the, like, early 2000s hip-hop crunk phase and Skeet, Skeet was... Uh, yeah, but, but still, it's like, what a terrible, like, name just for for a person. It and might just be a nickname. I, I had to have to look it up. I don't know, but that's, it's still, wow. But uh, even as it's just a stage name, it's like, but why, bro? Yeah, why skeet? I mean, it's different, but damn. But then, um, for the other characters, Dewey. Dewey is one of the best cop names ever. I'm just going to go come out and say it. Um, Wes Craven's character names are the fucking worst. <laughs> they are the worst. Every single one of his movies. He is so old-fashioned with a lot of his names. And he pulls from the nursing homes for movies that were being billed to teenagers and a couple of them, it's all, all right, Billy is pretty generic. So he either goes really generic or he goes really old school where it's like Glenn and Rod 
and stew. And it's like, yeah, why? So, I mean, a lot of times I feel it's okay and it's a little refreshing because you're not getting your typical Jasons and Marks. And I mean, you still get them from time to time, but but it's not, it doesn't feel like it's heavily saturated. Um, that's a fair point. So, I mean, having something different is is okay. And, I mean, if he's going to nursing homes or watching World War II videos just to get, you know, pull names out or whatever, that's fine. Like, I don't – it's like, oh, there's Skip Johnson. It's, you know, whatever. But there was uh, – but Dewey, he was one of my favorite characters out of this because – there were no dumb cops. He was just an extremely new rookie that yeah. was just a tryhard. Yeah, he was in, He was a little unsure. He wasn't super confident but, in his role. But he reminded me so much of Barney Fife. Come on, sis. Mom says when I'm wearing this badge, I'm a man of the law. True <laughs> respect. Such a great line. <laughs> and, like, and David Arquette is... He's... He's a weird one for me because I I really enjoy him. I like him a lot, but there's nothing that that stands up from him where it's like, oh no, like anytime there's a David Arquette movie, I'm not rushing out to go see it. It's just like, oh yeah, he's in it, and and that's weird because it's like any like I enjoy almost everything that he's in. Ready to Rumble, I absolutely loved for a wrestling movie. I thought it was. I, like I was, I was like head over heels for it, and David Arquette was funny as shit. I have no words. <laughs> it's so ridiculous, but and like I like some pretty weird shit, Craig. I know, and then like the so, and then all the stuff that you know uh, in the later years. Uh, now that he's wrestling, and all the the stories from his indie wrestling stuff, I'm like actually pretty proud that he's gone through did. You know, all this training. You know, we have to thank for that? Eric Bischoff. And there it is. So, (laughs) and all, but it was just very weird seeing him in WCW and then becoming, you know, the world title holder. And I was just like, why? Like, how? Why? (laughs) And, And from every documentary that we've seen, even David Arquette's like, I don't understand it. They just threw it on me and I just took it. All right. Like, right. So, but yeah, but still, David Arquette, like, he's just one of those guys that, like, I really enjoy his work. And it's, it's kind of like Pauly Shore. It's like, oh, I really like his stuff, but you don't really need to voice it. Right. You kind of keep that Yeah, it's like, it, it, I'm just going to keep that here in, in a box. Dirty just, secret. Yeah, it's right Guilty there. Guilty pleasure. Yeah. Oh, also, sidebar, Skeet Ulrich's real name is Brian. Oh, okay, good. Skeet is, I guess, according to his Wikipedia page, he his little league coach when he was a kid nicknamed him Skeeter because oh. he was very small, like mosquito, and it got shortened to Skeet. Okay. And his okay. dad's last name is Ulrich, so he just put those together as a stage name. Okay. And honestly, okay. he should have just stayed Brian because that's awful. All right, goddamn. Right. <laughs> that's so bad. <laughs> Um, like I'm sorry every time it's just that's gonna happen G fuels is crunk juice we're old we're getting toe up from the flow up 
You feel me? Thanks for coming through. Pinned over to the front. Touch your toes. <laughs> Did we just go to church? <laughs> we don't know. I tell you, the good Lord, he wants you to bend down and touch your toes. I tell you, the what? Oh, my God. Oh, we're going to hell. Anyways, uh, so. Something. I wanted to kind of get started off. Uh, since we were talking about the teens, uh, the one thing about this movie I really enjoyed was the fact that I didn't hate any of the teen actors. Well, I mean, they're about 20, 27 you know, or so, but playing high school students. But I, they actually felt natural, and I wasn't just waiting or, or, or even wanting them to die. There was not one character that I'm like, oh my God, just kill her. Kill her now. She's annoying. I hate her. I mean, there was sassiness, yeah, or, but it wasn't you know, annoyance. No. And they, they're they definitely, I mean, they're for the most part, they were all college age, I think, 22, 23. I think Matthew Lillard and Skeet Ulrich were 25 or something. So it wasn't like the cast of Grease yeah, where our, they were 35 was, years um, old. Arquette was 27, and even in the in the movie, he, he was saying that he was only he was, four no, years older or something like that. He wasn't that old. He was, like, he was actually younger than Skeet and Matthew. Oh, okay. That's, mm-hmm. that's what... Okay. I, uh, I remember, like, they were saying, like, in the movie, he was like, oh, I'm only four years older than you guys, but he's actually almost, a, like, pretty he's, close to the same he's age. He's only a couple years older than um, Nev Campbell and Rose McGowan were. So they were yeah. all pretty young. Um, and then... David Arquette being 24, 25, playing a rookie cop. Yeah, that works. Um, it makes sense. So he, yeah, they were mostly believable. And I think the immaturity uh, that Matthew Lillard and Jamie Kennedy lent to their roles definitely played a part in them being believable because they were really dumb and immature and they definitely reminded me of like dudes I went to high school with. Yeah, and... and- like the Matthew Willard or Lillard is it Lillard or Willard? Lillard. Yeah, Lillard. I always say Willard and it's like I don't know. Like Zoing Scoob. Yeah. So but whenever I see Matthew on screen, like with well really any of his roles, uh Scream in, in particular, I I can't tell you how many hockey players I've you know, been on the ice with that act like stew and they just they're big bunch of dumb idiots and no filters they're lovable dum-dums yeah i mean uh, like there's so many stupid stories my mom and dad are gonna be so mad at me yeah (laughs) so but they're like and it's all that type of shit where it's it's just really stupid they're high school boy shit. They're all just drinking beers and looking at boobies and chasing girls and yeah, that was Stu in a nutshell. And then Randy is kind of the lovable nerd, borderline incel who and is crushing on Sydney so hard. And that's where I so all my friends that I played hockey with were Stu's. I was the Randy. <laughs> yeah, you were. I I was the Randy. <laughs> Hard. You were the Randy even when I met you. Yeah. And we were in our early 20s. So, yeah. 
Like, you didn't really grow out of it. Uh, like, and, it, and it's funny because, like, the scene where uh, Randy is in the video store. I worked in a video store. I remember having those conversations with people in the video store about shit like that. Where they're talking about slashers, talking about horror movies, and talking about why things are, are wrong. Or, the werewolf or, movie with E.T.'s mom in it. All, all that type of shit. And it's just... It's hilarious. So it's like I'm have I have flashbacks when I see that scene of Randy pushing the cart along, restocking movies. <laughs> it's like, and then you know me also remembering that Jaws the Revenge and hiding it from from customers because I, I'm the savior of the day. So, right, total hero work. <laughs> so, but there is a, but I I really love the Randy character because he was just the uber nerd. Mm-hmm. And. It, it was surprising where with Stu and Billy, they were closet nerds, um, as we come to find out, where they kind of had the same like well, stance as, as to what Randy did, but Randy just wore it out for everyone to see. Well, Stu and Randy were, you could tell they were probably friendlier with each other. Billy was kind of the outsider in that group. Like, he kind of came in with Sydney when Sydney started dating him. Because he seems just a little too cool to have originally been part of that group, but he's more or less comfortable coming into um, it because of Sydney. I don't I don't think so. I actually think that uh, Billy and Stu were probably really good friends. Like, not like, oh, Billy came in and like, oh, like, okay, well... You know, Cindy and, and uh, what's her name? Um, Rose McGowan's character. Tatum. Uh, Tatum. Uh, you know, oh, like, oh, okay, like Sydney and, and Tatum were, were best friends, and then they became best friends because they're dating. Like, it, I don't, I don't think it was that. I think that they were already friends, and Billy was just the hunky James Dean type. It just feels and, weird because part of it is because Skeet Ulrich at that age looked like Johnny Depp at that same age yeah. quite a lot and especially with the way his, his haircut was and everything else it kind of felt like similar to Glenn in Nightmare on Elm Street where he didn't quite seem to fit in with the rest of the group Well, but he really liked Nancy so he was dating Nancy and, well, and that's, and that's the thing where I think you need to, to separate it because I did the same thing where knowing that it's a Wes Craven film seeing the hairstyles, his his face expressions, and things like that, was very similar to a, a very sexy Johnny Depp. Well, when you think about it, though, this movie was meant to be, you know, it, the the tag on it usually is oh, it's a meta horror movie. It's kind of poking fun at other horror movies and that sort of thing. I honestly think that the casting of Ulrich as Billy was deliberate because they were drawing from so many other sources and I think he was meant to be sort of riffing on Johnny Depp. I I would say I would definitely put that uh you know put that up there. I I think that uh, you know Skeet Skeet did a great job. Are we going to call him that from now yeah, on. Yeah, he's Skeet Skeet. Um but there was a... And he's from North Carolina, so you can do the Southern accent if you want. Oh, skate, skate. Oh, skate, skate. Oh, skate, skate, brother. Um, but that was a thing that made me laugh. I'm trying, trying to be professional. You're not. You just keep saying skate, skate. How professional is that? 
<laughs> it's not. Hint, hint. It is not. Uh, a skate, skate. Um, so there was a, a whole thing with, with, well, with skate, you know, coming in and being that very, just that, just a hunk of a man. Like he was a very attractive man. And then having Stu being his gangly idiot friend. He's I think, like the awkward baby deer. But he wasn't, he's not terrible. Like I could see him being another popular kid because of his, you just the outlandishness and, and just being, just being out there. I could see him being, being popular with him. So having them two as already friends, I could be, could be really good. Because uh, Sydney then, and Tatum were really close. Yes. So maybe like the only person that I in that group that I saw being the kind of the fifth wheel is Randy. And Randy was he didn't really seem to be friends with uh, with Billy at all. Almost kind of like and um, and this is where uh, you know with uh, I know you did last summer how uh, what's her name Julie Julie. Like I'm, I'm doing the thing again where I'm fucking up all the names. It's been forever since I've seen that movie. And I didn't Julie, like it. Max, and Ray. There it is. So, Max, he didn't like Ray because right. he, you know, he was with Julie, and that's kind of how I saw Randy because he saw her with Billy. Didn't think that Sydney was right for Billy because he had been having a hardcore crush yep. on her forever, and yeah. that's what it is. And that's and so I think that just carried over into I know what you did last summer, um, and again I apologize for fucking up the names, but I don't care. It's what I do. Um, so it's <laughs> that's his gimmick around here, folks. Is, you know, it's like Tracy and Steven and nope. <laughs> yeah, so um, way off. Yeah, Jebediah over there with nope. the mask and nope. Um, so, but there was there was all that going on with Randy and. I could see him being friends with Stu, but it didn't seem like it almost felt like Stu was around Randy to kind of pick on him or to manipulate him. I don't think so. No, because the scene in the video store specifically springs to mind because he is Randy's on the clock. Stu's in there hanging out with him. Same thing at the party. Like. Everyone else is kind of fucking off and doing their own thing, but Randy and Stu are hanging out by the door and talking to other people, yeah. and I think they're closer. Like, Stu's the weird middleman. Well, maybe maybe not to... And and not to say that, oh, like, I'm there to pick on him or to make him, like, to overpower him or anything like that. Well, he's the nerdy friend, so he's really easy to bust of the chops. But that's what I mean. And, and, and even in the, the video store, Stu... What it didn't sound like they were talking. I mean, they were talking as friends about horror movies, and Randy was trying to educate uh, Stu, like on, nerds do. Yes, they do. And but then when Billy shows up, you could tell the the dynamic kind of changed, and Stu was backing Billy. Yeah, like I said, Stu's sort of the middleman between the three boys yeah. in the group he tent he's a bit of a chameleon too he sort of he seems to kind of adjust himself to whatever his surroundings are so when he's with randy he's a little more nerdy and when he's with billy he turns the nerdy down because billy is a little bit 
cooler. Yeah. Even and, though he's a nerd in the closet. And then like, and then Randy too, in that same scene with the in the the video store. So he's talking to Stu, educating him, and then talk like saying why he thinks Billy is the killer. And then Billy shows up and starts to be really intense and kind of yeah. it, it gives off that vibe of like, oh shit. Well, like, he, he heard Randy running his mouth, so yeah. intimidation engage and, pretty much. And so that's where the Billy character is – he's very dangerous because he can manipulate you and, and make you feel cert, a certain way – but he is a, a snake in the grass all the way. And well, that's a lot of the psycho killer psychology yeah. is to be very charming, very disarming. And that's how they manage to pull potential victims in is by making them feel good or making them feel important or special or whatever positive feelings they can bring to the table. And then very quickly... And almost on a dime, flip it, and it catches. It'll catch a victim off guard because they're comfortable. You're made to feel comfortable, and Billy did that really well, um, especially the, with Sydney. Yeah, because they'd been in a relationship for like for over a year at that point, and him being a teenage boy, it was so. Am I gonna get some booty or what? Yeah, I mean, and and he was kind of playing it up as that I'm I'm really here for you, um, and you know, Cindy went through a really traumatic you know time, but then it turned into this whole uh, situation where you know she he ends up getting arrested because he's at the the house when the murderer is there, and he gets pinned for that. Uh, and then it turns out where it's like, oh, well, do you think I'm the murderer? It's it's a lot of mental manipulation, and mm-hmm. it, it, even though yes, he is the killer, like he or at least one of them, and then it turns around where he's just trying to play her and put on the big doe sweet eyes and make her feel like, oh shit, no, I'm wrong. Like it can't be him, and so that's it's, called gaslighting. Yeah. And he did it well because he made her question everything. Yeah. Right up until shortly before the party at Stu's when she he shows up and uh, they finally get a chance to talk and she, she just sort of gives over to him. And that's when the, the sex thing happens. And it it's like she just sort of made a decision to be... To just say, all right, I'm just going to go ahead and trust you. You're my guy. And boy, is she a bad judge of character. Yeah. But well, he... but I, I love the, the, like, right after they, they finish, uh, she's putting her clothes back on. He's getting his clothes back on. And she's like, oh, so, you know, when you were in prison, who was your one phone call? And he's like, I called my dad. And she's like, oh, but I thought the sheriff called your dad. And, like, and she calls him out and kind of pins him as, like, oh, you're, you're fucking lying. And he even has that, that tone of, like, 
like shit, I'm caught. But then on top of that, it was more of a, so you think I did it? And he tries to go back into that uh, making her feel bad kind mm-hmm. of thing for, but for I thought, her feeling. But it, but was, it definitely was the vibe of, I thought we got over this. I thought we moved past this. Yeah. Was sort of the, how the conversation went. And I don't know. He, You're never going to let me live this down. And it's, <laughs> yeah, it, it, that was a bit soapy. A little soap opera-y. Yeah. A little bit. So, but, but he was doing that to to keep on, like, well, to one, save it. Because he was at a point where him and, and his plan was Stu. They already had everything planned out as to what they were going to do and how they were going to work this out. So the fact that they got to that level was exactly where they needed to be. You know, uh... Billy was let go from you know any murder charges uh, or any, you know any. Uh, well, they couldn't. They any, had. They held him for twenty four hours, but they couldn't. They keep, couldn't. They keep couldn't him. keep him. Yeah. So he was let go, and you know, and, and moved on from there. Stu, no one has any idea that he's a part of it whatsoever. So it's one of those where now it's okay. Well, and if you think about it, actually, sorry to interrupt you. If you think about it. Stu Stu totally would have gotten away with it. Oh, yeah. Very much so. Like, he didn't have to go through all of the stuff at the end with Billy. He could have just... He could have gotten away with it. Yeah. Literally scot-free. And that was the thing was... It was hilarious to see Billy and Stu explain. Like, they did the whole villain, like, James Bond villain ending... Where they're explaining to the hero everything that they're going to be doing. I absolutely love that because it's one of those... That's all for ego. That That is all ego. Yeah, it's grandstanding. That's yeah. all it is, yeah. And it's it's not needed. Nope. It's like if you were a, 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 a actual villain, you're just going to do it. The thing about that, though, in this movie is it works because yeah. this movie is meant to be satirical. And so they pick on or pick at a lot of those movie tropes, horror movies specifically, but the occasional just cliche. And that's one of them. The, the monologuing, the villain monologuing. Uh, yeah, that's (laughs) one mm. one of the, one of the best ones. (laughs) You got me monologuing, you sly dog. (laughs) (laughs) No, one of the, the best, like my favorite line out of this, the whole movie is that scene where right after, uh, well, Stu and and, uh, and Billy are getting set for the next part of their plan, and so uh, they both stabbed each other because they're like, oh, well, we're going to make it look like the killer came after us, and then we're just going to get away with it. And Yeah, somehow so, they were the survivors. So they're stabbing each other. It's like... He's like, oh man, like you were really deep with that one. I really hurt, man. Like he's just like, but then uh, Cindy's like, like oh, you guys are crazy. Like it's like all your psychos. I was like, oh, it's like this is not a horror movie. And then like Billy's like, it's like horror movies don't make psychos. They only make psychos more creative. It's just like, oh my god, that's that's great. Yeah. And and really, it's not to that, say that that's also a nod to all of the weirdo satanic panic type stuff that was happening yeah horror movies make kids violent no no and and that was the like there's a lot of i think there's actually a show that that pulls on it but there's a lot of 
uh, situations and reports of uh, people that are uh, copycat. Killers. There was a show. Yeah. There was a show. On, I think it's still airing. It's on reels. Yeah. And it's actually called Copycats. Oh, is it? Okay. They good. even did an episode on a couple of high school kids who literally pulled a page out of Scream. And they went and they singled out this popular, more popular girl at their high school. Um, they were the two misfit type kids. And they decided that they were going to murder her. And they filmed it they had like a small gopro type camera i forget what year this was um but they f- they filmed it and they filmed their reactions getting back in the car and this whole thing and they're like oh my like you heard them in their vehicle leaving the scene of the murder saying i i can't believe it we killed her what a rush oh my god and the excitement and the adrenaline you can almost hear it in their voices well almost hear the adrenaline in their voices but the excitement was palpable when you heard them do it and the idea was that they were inspired by the movie scream because they did they did the cell phone thing they wore a similar costume black hooded costume kind of deal and it was the pair of them it was just it was super bizarre yeah i mean and it's one of those things where it's really really hard uh to sit there and try and and say it's like okay well do do horror movies do that? Like, do they make killers, you know, more creative, or do they pull it? And I say no, a na na na. It's like those stories are so few, far in yeah, between. Yeah, it's those are an anomaly, and yeah. that's why they can make a TV show like that is because it's so sensational, and it's it was really just a one and done. Like it. it it is such an unusual occurrence for someone to be inspired, in air quotes, by one of these movies that You're, you can't, you cannot, you cannot point to one instance and go, "See, makes people crazy," because those kids were crazy to begin with, and it really wasn't going to take. It could have been something else, anything else, to yeah. set them off. I mean, I've played Mortal Kombat ever since I was five years old, and I have never had the urge to go and rip someone's head off, or you know, like, or burn them to a crisp, or, or reach through their belly button to pull their organs out from yeah, the inside. Yeah, I've never had that reaction ever to actually do that to somebody, and it's it's one of those. I I play Call of Duty all the time. Don't want to go and shoot somebody. <laughs> it's like that's the it, thing is it. They were just commenting on yeah. what a lot of the parents' associations were saying. It's, oh, my God, it's going to cause kids to be yeah. crazy. And that's not true. It's that's just, not true. Those kids. Most time, it's you already have a sick individual that. And that's exactly. Yeah. Those are the kids that were probably torturing their pet rats. And their parents were just like, oh, no, little Timmy's rat died. And it's like. No, little Timmy tortured and disemboweled it while it was still alive. It's not the same. Yeah. Uh, the thing with, like, Billy and Stu, it was just just that, where you know, they were two sick individuals. Uh, Stu- the, the funny thing was, Stu, I actually felt was... He was, uh, I think, more sick than, than Billy was. Billy had a motive... Stu was just doing it for a, for a good chuckle and a laugh. He, he was, got he was involved there for a good time. 
Well, Billy did it because Sydney's mom had an affair with his dad. Yeah. And that caused his mom to just fucking bail. And Stu got involved because Casey dumped him. Yeah. For Steve, whatever his name was, the football player there. Yeah. And so, so that was his motive, which, by the way, is lame as hell. Well, no. I got dumped. So emo. Well, no, but there was a... I could see that where it's like, oh, I'm going to get... I'm going to get after that bitch but it, and with these two guys where they're like oh we're just gonna go and go on this murdering spree i could see where it's like okay well we're gonna go after her we're gonna do that um but they kind of made casey the practice victim yeah well no abort sydney's mom was the practice victim and they were talking about cotton i forget his last name but they were talking about cotton who in scream 2 was leah schreiber's character um, but they were talking about how it was easy to frame Cotton for the murder of Sydney's mom because they were having an affair. Yeah, it they, was. They said that Sydney's mom was a hosky. Yeah, well, and that was the thing was, uh, you know, Sydney. She's like saying that uh, oh, her mom was raped and she, you know, wasn't this person. But then Gail Weathers, the the journalist that wrote a book on this the whole situation uh, has actually saying that cotton is an innocent man there's no way that he could have done it and they're pinning this or you know kind of putting the blame uh or uh like kind of pointing a finger at uh cindy's mom and it's it's hard for her to to see her mom that way because she sees her mom as, like, she did nothing wrong. She's a, a very innocent woman. She would never do that in a million years. But then it turned out where, no, your mom did. She went out, had an affair. And, Multiple. And it, and it destroyed a family. So, I mean, I could see with, like, Billy going after, I mean, he, he went off the deep end because it really messed him up having his mom leave. Yeah, and his then, mom didn't just divorce his father like she she divorced the whole family yeah and And that sucks because that wasn't billy's fault no but he after that he found out the you know the reasoning and you know who was to blame so he went out and and set up this whole plan and for a teenager to set up that plan pin evidence towards another man and then get away with it Scott free like dude well done like yeah. <laughs> well done planning he because covered all every, the bases pretty much except for the fact that cotton was actually innocent and he, i don't think he saw gail weathers coming at all no so but that was a that was a thing with the whole plan and the motive it it really set it up for all of this and it was interesting to see because he did Billy actually want to be with Sydney or was he only with her because of what her mom did no, and he's they trying were, to get back at her no they were dating before all that stuff happened with her mother but I don't know I don't know the timeline prior to that though because he had said before your mom died, we were hot and heavy. And then afterwards, Sydney started pulling away. And I 
Okay, so they were together before. Yeah, okay. I just don't know if they were together. I mean, I'm assuming they knew each other so, prior so, to Sydney's mom breaking up Billy's so family. Maybe, so maybe they were dating for a while, and they did that whole thing where the parents meet the parents, and then that's when the mom goes, ooh, hey, I think you're pretty hot and cute and sexy, and then they go and, and do the, you know, the the no, the no no bump uglies, and then they go and have the 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 thing of 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 oh no I messed up, and then Billy comes in and goes oh hey hey fuck you bitch, and then I'm gonna skeet skeet, and then yeah slice slice, and then you did, and then I'm gonna oh hey there's cotton, and that's my movie rendition of Scream. Thank you and good night and see ya. <laughs> Megan's looking at me <laughs> with these like burning eyes of like. Why did I marry you? I mean... Why are you the way you are? <laughs> I mean, this is probably a good time to introduce... Lunchbox, you ignorant slut. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> you said it, not me! Uh, I think this is a good time to introduce our... Uh, skate, skate. Our bonus segment for this episode. I think this is a good time to take a quick sponsor break. And when we come back, we are going to get... A special take on Scream from our darling son who saw his first grown-up horror movie, and it's going to be a good time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, our, our son is uh, six years old, and he was feeling pretty pretty high and mighty, so he wanted to sit down and watch uh, watch Scream with us, and so he's all about it. So and we'll I'm, get I'm to that when we come back. Why do you think Ghostface is after the girls? Cause he got he's angry. Why is he angry? Cause, um, cause he's wants to be their boyfriend. He wants to be their boyfriend. Are you sure? But they have boyfriends. Yep, but he got angry if they have a name like he doesn't like. He's following them. Okay, so so Ghostface is a bad guy, right? Yep. So what is he like? What? Why is he after the girls? Like, is he? He's trying. He's he's. They're killing her. He he's killing them. Why? Because if if they don't know his name, he's gonna. They're gonna sharp them with their his knife. He's gonna sharp them with their knife. His knife. Why? Cause cause he got mad. Why is he mad? Well, he's kind of jealous of the name. Oh, what name? I don't know. I forgot. It's, I just don't remember. Okay. So, but what, like, so he calls them on the phone, right? Yep. What, what does he say when he's on the phone? He, I don't know. He's trying to say, he's making questions and telling them that they know his name. Oh yeah. Yeah, he's trying. He's he wants to talk to the girls. So so, so he wants to talk to the girls, but the, but he does it to scare them, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Does does he come out at night? Yep, and they make him. They make them cry. Oh, they yeah, the girls cry a lot. Yeah, huh? they cry when when they see something bad when he's gonna do. Oh man. 
Was was it uh what like what was something that Ghostface does? Cut people. <laughs> How does he cut them? His knife. <laughs> Cause Ghostface needs that. <laughs> Terrifying. What was so scary? Uh, go, uh, ghost face. Ghost face was a scary part. Yep. What was it about ghost face that was so scary? Killing people with a knife. Because he killed people with a knife. That makes sense. Yep. So what'd you think about ghost face? Um. Well, ghost face had a, a scare a different voice that I imagined. Mm-hmm. But... What did you think he was going to sound like? I don't know, but mm-hmm. when he was calling on the phone, Sydney was calling it to the... Mm-hmm. And... Wait a minute. Did you like the movie? It wasn't Ghost Free. It wasn't Ghostface that was calling on the phone. Right. He was not calling on the phone. No, not at the end. No, that was definitely Sydney at the end. Yep, but... Someone else was calling on phone that had the that voice. Yeah, it's because they had the voice changer box. So whoever spoke into it, it changed the sound of their voice. Did you like the movie? Yep. Yeah. But that was weird. Who put a phone of a of a different voice? I don't know. Somebody who doesn't want anyone to know it's them. I guess. So they cannot know that it's, so no one can know there's Ghostface? Right, no one was supposed to know who Ghostface was. Ghostface was supposed to survive, and then their plan didn't work. What was your favorite part of the movie? Do you have a favorite part? I did like Ghostface. (laughs) You liked Ghostface the most? Yep. What was the part that scared you the most? Nothing. Nothing scared you? But you said the movie was terrifying. I did, but it, it was a little terrifying. Yeah? Which part was the scariest? Mm-hmm. Which part was the scariest? Mm-hmm. The first uh, ghost ghost face. And the first part with the ghost face at the beginning? Mm-hmm. With the girl with the popcorn? Was that no. the scariest part? No. No. Yeah, yeah, because she was making, when she called the phone again mm-hmm. and again, mm-hmm. the uh, ghost, ghost face didn't want to hang up. He no. didn't want her to hang up. Right. And if she hangs up again, she get, he gets angry. Right. And she hung up on him. So what happened? Did he get really angry? Well... He killed her. Right. So he got real angry, right? Yep, he got real angry. <laughs> oh, wait, no. Because he, he saw her. Mm-hmm. And then she put her, when she got killed, she was on the tree. Mm-hmm. And on the garage. Yeah. Yep. And there was the girl in the garage, yep. Yep. What'd you think about her? She was, she was real, real dead when she was on the, the, kitty door. She was very dead in the kitty door. You're right. Yep. 
because it was so small she got dead <laughs> I would say so she was definitely well when Ghostface just lift the the garage door opened she she got scared and then she got killed yeah but you thought it was a good movie or do you think it was a bad movie it was good it was good uh-huh. so it was a good scary yeah. Like a fun scary? Uh-huh. Yeah, I thought it was a fun scary, too. Yeah, but... None of them wanted to be nice and be mean. Some of them would be mean. Yeah, they were a little bit mean. Yeah, but the other guy... The other guy was really nice. He didn't... Uh, he didn't want to kill him. Which one? Randy? Stu? No, the other one, when she, Billy, the second ghost face. Okay, Stu. No. The real C- tall guy. Cindy. Sydney. Okay. <laughs> she she wasn't ghost face, honey. She just dressed up like ghost face. Then why was she killing everybody? She wasn't, honey. She just killed the bad guy at the end. It was because the bad guys were murdering everybody else, and that was her getting. Payback. Why did she kill the cameraman? She didn't. Then who was it? That was Billy and Stu. The two boys at the end. (laughs) They were the ones that were hurting people. Sydney just hurt them so that they would stop hurting everybody else. Including her. Because they were scary and crazy. Then why was she killing her boyfriend? Because her boy because her boyfriend was the bad guy. Did you miss that part? Remember when he said he was the bad guy? No. And then he stabbed Stu in the stomach with the knife? Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. You just watched it. It was the end of the movie. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But not anymore. So you think Sydney's ghost face? No. No, it was Billy and Stu. Yeah. Ooh. And they were so mean. So mean. Really tough is mean. So mean. Well, I'm glad you really like this movie because I really like this movie a lot. And this was your very first real horror movie. You did great. Me too. Yeah, you did a pretty good job. Well, it was good. Good. I'm glad you thought so. Thanks. And that is Scream according to a six-year-old. Scream. 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 Just like in Freakazoid. Scream. Ah! And we are back. Yeah, I hope you guys really enjoyed our six-year-old's take on Scream. This was... We did. This was his first foray into more grown-up horror. He loves his monster movies. He likes Monster Squad and Frankenstein and the werewolf movies. Um, He's seen like Scooby-Doo and the kitty horror type stuff. And for whatever reason, that night he says to his dad, says to Lunchbox, and he says, hey dad, I, you guys are watching, I want to watch a movie with you guys tonight. And Craig says it's a scary movie. And he goes, Okay, well, I, I want to watch a scary movie. He, no, no, he goes, he goes, I'm a big tough kid. 
I can take it. And I'm like, all right. So he... It's, it, would he, he take it as a challenge? Yeah. I was like, all right. All right. Put up or shut up there, kid. And uh, so, like, this is his first real horror movie that he sat down and watched from front to back mm-hmm. and actually understood. I remember when he was probably, I'd say about three or four years old, I remember uh, I put him down for a nap, and I'm in the the living room doing a bunch of artwork, and I'm painting or something like that. And just in the background, I have It going on. So the movie It is playing, and I turn around. Wasn't it the miniseries? Yeah, it it was the miniseries one. And so I turn around, and our son is just standing there in front of the TV just staring at this thing and it's the scene where Pennywise is coming out of the sewer uh, or the, the, the drain in the, the shower and he does like the big you know gnarly teeth and stuff like that and, and I'm, I'm like oh my god this is going to scar my son because we have a big screen TV Pennywise is really close to him and he's doing the big you know monster face and my son goes oh he's a lion and so now it's Pennywise the clown who's also a lion. Like that's how he sees Pennywise. He doesn't see him as scary or anything like that. And it makes me happy because it's like, okay, well, he ain't going to be scared of clowns or like it's not going to be a big deal. Right. So, but that that's where I think as far as horror movies go, it, it this one was a really good one to – I get, well, you know, to have him go off of for a legit horror movie. Yeah, it, this is um, Scream came along in the mid '90s in that weird pocket where horror had been considered dead for several years. The content being put out was super lame. There was no gore. There was no. There was no heart to it. It was sort of. Outside of a couple of oddball exceptions, it really was just a slew of boring, bland, nothing, horror, quote-unquote horror movies that just sort of fit into the horror genre, but they weren't really making any money, they weren't generating any buzz. It's all killer, no filler. Reverse that. Oh, well, yeah, okay. It's like a... It's like a little Debbie, but with nothing in the middle. It's just the cake. No. And it's just a sad cake because it's no filling. No, man. <laughs> I'm still not going to be mad at an oatmeal cream pie, whether there's cream in the middle or not. So, mm-mm. Bad analogy. It, it was just a rough time for horror in general. Um, the slasher stuff in the 80s had been played out. There was a lot of pushback from the MPAA because of how over the top some of some of the movies were getting with the gore. It was becoming a really weird time. Um, it was just a nothing void period for decent horror movies. And then Scream comes along in 1996. And while this movie made a buttload of money, it still wasn't a straight line horror film because there was a satire element. It kind of got billed as a horror comedy. Um, And then actually it got to the point where um, 
the studio head went to the MPAA and said, hey, look at this as a comedy, not as a horror movie, because it almost got an NC-17 rating. And then after they looked at it as a comedy instead, they very easily slapped an R on it. It's, And that's, that's where this whole situation for this movie... It works on uh, like on on all these different levels, but I I still don't see it as a comedy, or, or, or like for them to go oh no you got to watch this thing as a comedy it's like I don't like it's for sure <laughs> satire but there isn't anything in this movie that gives you the yuck yucks no I mean like the stuff with like Randy probably was the funniest well because Jamie Kennedy's a comedian exactly. And uh, I guess there was a whole bunch of uh, scenes that he would do during the filming of Scream, and it actually it made Wes Craven laugh a lot during the filming process. And so, and he absolutely loved Jamie Kennedy as as, as Randy. But uh, he also allowed him to ad lib a lot. Yes, so and he there, riffed quite a bit. There was a lot of riffing, uh, which is great for Wes Craven, where it's like, where he's actually allowing his yeah. actors to just. To be yourself. Do do whatever you want. Right. And that's um, why he I think Jamie Kennedy and Matthew Lillard worked as well together as they yeah. did. Yep. Because even though Matthew Lillard isn't a comedian, um, he still has that enough of a sense of humor and the timing to be able to bounce off of Jamie Kennedy really well, who yeah. was a comedian at the and time. There was and and Matthew, he came in because he act, he was actually just at the auditions there with his girlfriend and at the time just hanging out and the you know the screenwriter and i think wes was there but then also the um i forget who else was there the, was cast, some, the casting director was well there. the casting director obviously was there but there was somebody else that like saw him and was just like hey why don't you try out and and just put him in there and they're like oh nope you're great and but that was the thing was like Stu was it was weird. He was funny, but at the same, but he was that asshole, and it was it was like oh that it, like the things that he's saying. He's just obnoxious. Exactly. It's like it shouldn't be funny, and but at the same time it is. But and Matthew it's a weird Lillard thing. is, but it's because the way he delivered it, it's because the actor is so charming. Yeah. And because Matthew Lillard is so endearing that even though he the point was to be obnoxious and annoying, he really wasn't. He didn't I mean maybe a little, it came across that way, but not. It could have not it, as bad as it should he have. He could have really, if it wasn't for Matthew, it could have really went the way of like, oh my god, he needs to die first. Yes, he very easily could have and, been that that and, guy. And the the one movie that comes to mind is Zombievers, and oh, with the final girl, yeah, well, she was well her, but her boyfriend, at, I forget his name, but it's like. But that dude was just this uber douche and just obnoxious. And you're just the whole time you're like, oh, my God, like this kid just needs to go. And then like as the movie went on, he grew on you. But with Stu, you were kind of like with him all the way, even though he was an asshole. You're like you just kind of accepted it. And it was just you like you went along with it. And it was yeah, like. It was funny. Like, he, he became uh, a he regular was just, character. He was just the guy that busted everybody's chops. It was fine. But getting back to the thought process behind letting our six-year-old watch mm. this, the the movie, there's a bit of language. 
Um, this is a very, very small bit of sex. But overall, this movie's fairly tame when it comes to a lot of the horror elements. There's there's a bit of it's a lot of the running and chasing stuff and <laughs> a lot of people talking in rooms. Kinda I mean there's enough of the gore element that I was a tiny bit concerned. But he's I I personally was never censored as a child. So if my parents felt like I thought I could handle it, yeah. Okay. My, my they they weren't were the same. they they were the type who were like I'm not changing the channel if there's something on that they want to watch. So it's either you go do something else or you can hang out with me and watch whatever's on. I saw Jaws when I was 5 years old. I was a bit scarring. I saw Gremlins at 7. Um, those sorts of things. That's really scarring. That was, I mean, <laughs> I'm... Which is the same. Oh, Josh is okay, but Gremlins fucked me up. It did! I'm 35 and it still gives me nightmares. I won't... That's something I'm never going to recover from. <laughs> so, anyway... But no, like, I was, I, I was in the same boat, too. Yeah, know, like, it was just... I, uh, I asked him, because he hasn't seemed to have any issues with some of the little bits and pieces he's sort of walked in on... So I said, do you think you can handle it? And he said, yeah, I want to watch a scary movie with you guys. So we let him watch it. And there was a couple of moments where he's like, well, this is kind of scary. But by the end of this movie, he's looking at me going, I want to be Ghostface for Halloween. That's where we ended up. Yeah, I I pulled up. Because he was like, oh, like, do you think we can make that costume? Like, how, like, he was, he was sitting there on the couch trying to figure out how he could become Ghostface. And so I blew his tiny little mind by pulling up the interwebs and pulling up a costume shop. And I was like, well, here you go, man. Like, you can, we can buy you a costume and you could be Ghostface. And he was just like, oh. Oh my god! Like he was freaking out because he could dress up as this monster that was on the screen for him. Yeah, it was a lot of a lot of the content very clearly went over his head. Um, he got a little nervous in some spots. I had to. There was definitely. I'm sleeping with you tonight, and I showed him some puppy pictures before we went to bed. But really, for the last couple of days since we watched it, he's been running around going, I'm going to be Ghostface for Halloween. He's fine. Yeah. Uh, This is obviously an at your discretion kind of thing. There's a lot of horror parents that are just like, whatever my kid, if they want to, if they think they can watch it, they can watch it. Um, So I'm sort of taking that, we're sort of taking that tact with it. And my mother-in-law is going to kill us. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we're running a horror movie podcast, so it's. You know, he's growing up with horror movie nerds. He ain't getting around any of that. I mean, and not only horror movie nerds, I'm a nerd through and through. Yeah. Com- like, I have a comic book collection. I have toys. I have all types of nerdy shit. And he's he's in the same boat. That, like, I like all the same stuff that he likes. And so it's easy for me where I'm like, hey, Ninja Turtles? Awesome! We can connect because... I love Ninja Turtles. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's warmed my heart to see him watch this movie and genuinely enjoy it. He, as you said, he was a little scared at some parts, but he was at, at that point where he was scared, 
but he didn't want to look away. And that is a true horror fan where it's like, I feel this, but I want to see it. And And it cracks me up because growing up in the late 80s and through to the 90s, um, I remember going through, especially in the late 80s, there was a lot of kids that were totally enamored with Freddy Krueger. And Freddy should not have been anywhere near children. Ever. My dad, for Halloween one year, dressed up as Freddy Krueger, and I thought it was one of the coolest things. But I'm like, but I didn't have that connection where I'm like, oh, he was a child murderer. Right. At that point, <laughs> he just dad. sort of made his way into the zeitgeist, and he, he was sort of, he'd become just a known entity, like Hulk Hogan or Dracula or... That's a good, yeah. Those sort good, of things. Like, he just was there. It's just a name. Yeah. And yeah. uh, there was a name and a face and a brand and whatever. But that, it just, now I understand that phenomenon that it was going on in the 80s with the slashers, just seeing it with our son now, where he was like, Ghostface is the coolest thing ever. And yeah. I'm like, that, I get it now. Yeah. Well, and the whole thing of uh, there, like those scenes where, uh, you know, our son's like, oh, like, well, Ghostface can only get you at night. He can only like he doesn't see him as uh, it's a human in a costume. He saw it as a monster, mm-hmm. and that 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 was really cool for me because. Well, then he thought it was Sydney. Like he was convinced it was Sydney because <laughs> yeah. he actually saw Sid take the mask, mask off. off. He's like, oh, "It's her." Yeah, he's like, "She's the bad guy," and I kind of had to explain a couple times, like, "No, no, 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 no. She was, she killed the bad guys. She put the mask on to give them a, to, to give them a taste of their own medicine. It took a couple goes, and he's like, "But she was in the mask." And I was like, nobody. She was using it. Again. Like it took a couple of tries yeah. to convince him still, that yeah, that was the case. Him. But that was the thing. Was like, there's those scenes where it was actually really cute. So <laughs> when he was like, oh well, like you know, Ghostface can only get you at night. And then there was the scenes at the the high school where Ghostface is running through or like in the bushes, like out, like outside in the daylight. And he's like, oh no, he can get you in the daylight too. <laughs> he had like this worried like, crap, I'm not safe. What what am I gonna do? And like, they, but he still had that like moment of like, crap. I'm really scared, but I gotta see where this goes. I yeah. gotta, I, I gotta, I gotta push through. Like, I like, and he didn't close his eyes once. He didn't freak out. He didn't, and 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 I'm really proud of of that. So yeah, is in terms of straight line horror, um, tread carefully. But it's not the most, it's not the worst thing I've ever seen. Um, I did hesitate a little, but. Well, and that was the thing is like we, as parents, like we're not just going to sit there and go, okay, well, it's on. So you're just fucking going to watch it. We, we actually make it a point where we sit down and say, okay, do you think you can handle it? Like we actually talk about it like adults, but it was just one of those things where as we thought about it, it's as we were saying, it's a very tame horror movie. There's some blood, but I mean, there a lot I of mean, stuff is, is off screen. It's, it's it's after the fact. It's front loaded with a lot of the gore too. Um, 
Casey, the, probably the worst is Casey in the tree. That's it. Where Casey's dangling from the tree and her innards are falling out of her belly. That's the worst. Yeah. The worst of the worst. Um, um, and then... There was the one scene where Ghostface runs up and he stabs... Uh, uh, it's, it's Casey. Like, he stabs Casey in the chest. But it's very... <laughs> In a weird way, anticlimactic because it's like it doesn't you can't you can't see the blade. It's like a retractable blade that's you know going in her, so it's like it's not there's no nothing gory or anything like that. And so even like my son, I mean, he's played Mortal Kombat and he's like so he's seen worse. And from that, I was just like I was like wow, there really wasn't much to it i mean the stuff with uh was it steve at the beginning with casey's boyfriend where yeah. they turn the lights out and then they flip him back on and then he's got you know his, his inner it like his stomach's cut yeah. open too but it, it's one of those like you don't see it and you just hear it and then see the aftermath um i mean the aftermath can be pretty can be pretty scary if this is like the first time you've seen this movie or if you're not already a horror fan and it can it can kind of get you but if you're already into horror, you're going to be like, cool, entrails, I guess. But that was the thing was like, as I'm watching this movie, I was like, I thought I could have swore there was a lot more gore in this thing. And it's a lot of psychological horror yeah. compared to any type of slasher gore. And a lot of chasing. There was a lot of running around. <laughs> yeah. And there, but that <laughs> was. To quote Donna Noble, there's an outrageous amount of running. <laughs> So, but there was a, there was a lot of, like, so there was a lot of the blood that set you up at the beginning, and then it's just a lot of setup, and then even, like, there's only a couple of times where, like, Ghostface would come out and he would, you know, go to, like, stab somebody, uh, the, the principal, Henry, you know, played by Henry Winkler, uh, being one of them, he ends up getting killed, but we don't see what actually happens to him. We just see that, oh, Ghostface shows up and, and stabs him. Or right, whatever. and then we hear later, oh, Oh, he was strung dead. up by the, yeah, on the, the goalposts. Yeah, we didn't get to see it, which I hate that. I hate it because I don't like to be told, I like to be shown. And Wes Craven, you motherfucker, guilty of this in almost every single one of his movies, he'll tell you shit. But he won't show you. And as a former English professor, shame on you. Because everybody who digs in and kind of pulls things apart, one of the best things in a story is the showing. And so if there was a news report where they're like, oh, uh, Woodsboro, Woodsboro High School's Principal Henry, blah, blah, blah. And then they... Did a flash on the screen or something? Like, but like just hearing on a t- on the phone too, which well, is so much worse. Well, and that was the thing is, yeah. So like Randy, he gets the phone call from uh, like a, a friend of his, and he's like, "Oh no way, yo, principal!" Like he just gets strung up by the on the goalpost, and then all the the kids are like, "Oh, let's go see!" And they they like the high tail. Yeah, yeah, the extras left. Yeah, exactly. They, they, That's they, how you get rid of the extras. Yeah. And I was like, and that's why that's exactly what I said. It's like, oh, they just weeded out the herd, and it was like, oh, so now the only people that really matter are, are left, right? Um, which is Randy, who's mostly drunk, and yeah. Stu, who went and killed his girlfriend in the garage. Yeah. So, but that was the thing is like, I almost would have felt like he could have gotten the phone call, and then be like, 
oh, just you like oh, cha- like flip it to this channel and then like you know stop the movie, flip it to the channel, and then as you said, see the report of the the principal strung up, and then that then the kids can all yeah fuck off because if they're if you're just getting like what happened here, it's lazy. It's really lazy to be like, oh, man, Prince Bramberry's dead. It almost makes me wonder if they weren't totally committed to killing him off. Um, I think they were. Yeah? Yeah, I think they were. It's because just... normally when you see, I see something like that in a movie, it's sort of like they must have made a last-minute decision. No, I think a lot of that, too, could have been just timing. Or, hell, it's just... It's just it's just late writing. It's just it, something there is just it's such or, a trope that. Or I'm wondering if I mean part of it's lazy writing, but I'm wondering if part of it isn't. Um, they couldn't figure out how to make the gag work. Because that could have been a, yeah. a nightmare to try to get done on their budget too. Yeah. It's just it's lazy, and it's just one of those things where I was like, oh, come on. Well, and the, and the time it would take to you know make a cast of henry winkler have him strung up and like or do all all the the things that it would take to actually get all the stuff out there to string up a body i mean i'm I'm pretty sure it's like they could have done any type of body or mangled anything and then like put it up on a on a goalpost and it would have worked just out you know fine because it probably would have been like maybe like a two three second shot of the you know the news report. But that's all you need. Yeah, and exactly. But to to the the amount of money and time it would take to get out there to do that. That's what I'm saying. Is I, I just they probably couldn't make the gag work for yeah. the budget or, or make it look believable or to be able to fit it into the filming schedule yeah. or whatever. I mean, there's a number of reasons why it still doesn't mean I forgive it. Oh no, no, it's it's the worst, and that's actually one of the reasons why I I love hate H.P. Lovecraft is because. His writing is so damn good and juicy, but then turn around and he gives you nothing. Right. And it's just There's like... There's a thing and it's so horrible. I can't even there, begin to describe it. No, no, oh no. You God. just have to trust me. It's so terrible and ugly. I don't even have the words. Fuck it, you, Lovecraft. Yeah. Like, it's like, <laughs> are you fucking kidding me? Like, there's a... It was a story about an alien. And then it's like, oh, the, like, he starts off. It's like, oh, the slime and the, like all this other stuff. And then it's like, but it's too horrible to describe. Take a stab at no! it, buddy. That's your job. Give it a shot. You're, I bet you do great. You're a writer. You, I believe in you. You need to. It's like the ter- It's like a Terry Nation writing his Dalek episodes for Doctor Who. It's just sort of like I don't know. It's a big white room. Fill in the fill in the blanks. <laughs> like fuck it. No. No, you're the writer. You're supposed to put the shit together. Yeah. Don't tell me to fill in the blanks. I and and for horror movies like. I really want that visual. Uh, and so, yeah, that, that would be a really would, cool thing to see with the principal. I could have forgiven it if it wasn't something that Wes Craven was guilty of so yeah. much. If Craven hadn't done it in, like, every movie just about, yeah. I'd be okay with it. I, I mean, I but, understand that whole thing of, like, oh, okay, just... You know, the the audience member using their imagination and and a lot of times their imagination is is worse than what could actually be put on a screen. Yes, but it's when it's done excessively. That's when it's like, come on, dude, you got to give there, us something. That and there's no breadcrumbs. You have to be able to drop a few breadcrumbs to let the mind and the imagination take off down the correct path to get there. With Principal Henry dying, 
you saw him get jumped by Ghostface, and then cut forward several minutes, and Randy gets that phone call. There's nothing in the middle. You don't really see what happens. Um, there's nothing in between. You can just sort of assume that Ghostface kills him, and then uh, Billy shows up at Stu's house later on. Um, but Randy, being a horror nerd, I don't know, he takes full advantage, I think, of any time he gets himself a captive audience. And uh, the Principal Hembry phone call just put the punctuation on his entire... I don't think monologue's the right word, but his entire, oh, his lecture mm-hmm. on horror movies. Yeah. And there, this is where people give Williamson and Craven a lot of credit because this is where they're just calling out yeah. all the copycat horror tropes that happened, especially in the 80s. Yeah. It's mostly in the 80s. Well, I mean, and that was the thing. is like, this movie is, it really is a love letter to horror movies and slasher movies and, and every everything in between. And uh, the scene at the video store where Randy is giving Stu a lesson in horror movies and why Billy could be the, you know, the potential killer. And it's funny because at, at the end of the movie, when you figure out that Stu and Billy are the, are the killers, when they're talking to, you know, Sydney and Randy and all, like, all... You could see in their face where they're just like, it's us. We're doing it. But they're trying to get this, find the, that reaction of of that other person. And yeah. so with Randy, it's funny where he's he's telling them, it's him. I know it's him because of these reasons, because, because of horror movies. Right, because of these movies I saw. He's like, this is prom night. This is yeah. this movie. This is that. And he just... And uh, Jamie Lee Curtis made many mentions in this movie because... And Randy was funny because he called her a scream. He's like, she's a scream queen. She's the scream queen. Yeah. And uh, uh, Stu was just in it for the boobies. Yeah. Um, but that was thing like Stu, like just his face was going, go on. You're right. But you're like, but I'm putting on that like, dude, you're being ridiculous. But you're right. Yeah. And, it, and it's more of like, like, yeah, like this is awesome. Like you're, yes, you are completely right. I'm excited. You're getting it. But like, uh, but at the party... When he's given all the rules, it's great because they're almost like those are the unspoken rules of yeah. horror. And they very because of the number of copycats and sequels and ripoffs that again, especially during the eighties, that's the part that kills me is Wes Craven was calling them out. Because unfortunately or unfortunately, depending on your point of view, he accidentally participated in a few of them himself or created them himself. But there were three cardinal rules that Randy laid out in this movie that were your how to survive being in a horror movie thing. So this is where it gets really meta because it's almost like the fourth wall came down and Randy was talking to the audience saying, I know I'm in a horror movie. I know this is what's going on around me, but here's how we're going to survive it. And the three rules are don't have sex. You can only survive a horror movie if you don't have sex. You cannot drink or do drugs. You have to be straight edge to survive a horror movie or at least not partaking. 
And there are things you're not supposed to say because they will pretty much sign your death warrant. You cannot say, I'll be right back, hello, or who's there. And you're not allowed to go, and I guess rule 3B is don't go check on any suspicious sounds. Yeah, you, you can't go investigating. Yeah, no investigating. That's how you survive No white movie. people investigating. Right. Fucking white people in a horror movie. Yeah. And it's, it gets even better because initially Randy was supposed to die. But because Wes Craven liked Jamie Kennedy so much and the audience in the test move in the test showings responded so well to him, they ended up kind of on the fly changing it to where Randy survives. And Randy gets up after, you know, being shot and having the the medics come to help bandage him up. And he said he's never been so glad to be a virgin before. That's really funny because yeah. once again, it's kind of that fourth wall coming down just a little and poking at the audience being, I know, you know, we know. And um, it was it was really cute. And well, it was really funny, too, because uh, Stu and Billy also followed those rules. Yeah. And it wasn't that like because Randy was telling them all the rules but or he was really telling Stu because Stu was in with the group or whatever. But it was hilarious because it's like as movie nerds and Stu and Billy being closet horror movie nerds, like they were, they knew already. They knew it, yeah. and so they like they were already in with those those rules, and they were kind of playing up with that. And I think, um, you know, Billy was trying to bed. It was Sydney, just because it's like he, you can't kill the virgin. It, it's yeah. it's it's not right. You like oh, so now she's not a virgin. And even Sue was like, oh yo, you did the thing. Oh, you, you messed up now. Oh, we can get to kill you. And yeah, he was but all excited. The one up, the one rule that nobody spoke aloud and that Billy and Stu forgot is that there's always a final girl. Yep. And they didn't bank on that. They just assumed because they took because Billy took Sydney's V card that now that she's had sex, she's That's for it. sure done for. And they kind of underestimated her as potentially being tougher than she seemed. And that's the part that kind of sucks is they just sort of thought they neutered her by taking or Billy taking her virginity. And if anything, it sort of empowered her a little bit because it allowed her to get over a lot of her hangups and her issues that she was dealing with because of what happened with her mom and learning the truth about what her mom had done, what had happened um, to Cotton and all this other stuff. She seems to, she pulled it together in the end. And that's the part that killed me is, is at the end of the movie where Sydney's saying she writes her own ending or whatever it was. It was just sort of like Billy and Stu forgot there's always a final girl. And in this case, there was two because Gail Weathers survived too. Yeah. And, and Randy said, <laughs> so it's like all these, all these characters like where, and that's where it kind of plays into that. Well, there can be multiple survivors because if you call back to Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Kincaid, that's true too. Kincaid, Joey, um, Patricia Arquette's character, I can never remember her name. Um... All three of them survived. Yeah. At least till partway into part four, anyway. Yeah, Kincaid 
uh, I think it was in five, like, at the beginning of the movie. Four. Died. He was in was part four, four for, like, seven that's right, minutes. That's right, that's right. Yeah, it wasn't long. Um, but there was, like, there's the thing is, I enjoyed that both Billy and Stu were just a, an uber horror fan, and... But they were re- keeping it really down low. Yeah. yeah. But what was interesting was that if you really pay attention to what they're saying, uh, there's a couple of scenes. Uh, there's like one of the scenes where uh, Billy comes in through the window. <laughs> that one was so awkward. Well, and he starts talking about The Exorcist. <laughs> I was watching The Exorcist and it made me think of you. I'm like, what? I'm flattered. Yeah. A what? <laughs> it's I'm like not at a tool time. Sure. There. But yeah, like that was, uh, that was the thing. Mm. Was like, so, but he mentions The Exorcist. And it's like okay, okay. So you're just wa- you're the- just watching this randomly. I'd have been I'd have been like I'd have asked him. Uh, what was the part that reminded you of me most? Was it the speaking in tongues, or was it the was it the pissing master- on the floor, the masturbation with the crucifix? What exactly made you go? I miss my girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> that was so dumb. So I mean. There was a there was that and then there was all the scenes with uh, Stu like they were talking about uh, like in the video store. Um, you, oh, you could also uh, see where Billy was chatting up with a couple of girls at the video store in the horror section, and that's where Randy was like, "Look at that! Like, what? Like, if you're a murder suspect, are you going to go and talk to girls in the horror section? Like, that's not a smart thing to do." And but that's where it's. That's a little eye rolly too. But yeah. No, but I mean, but in, in a weird way, it's like he's that's his that's his area of expertise. Like that's where he loves to that where it seems where he likes to be. So it's it's just fun that to see that it's like oh you couldn't be in the drama section. You couldn't. It's like no, right. you gotta chat up chat up girl. And that also too where it's like he's chatting up with a girl, two girls in the horror section. And it's like he's still trying to and he's still with. You know, Sydney. Technically like, so Sydney, yeah. So, but it's like, we don't know what he's actually saying to those girls and all that other nonsense, but it's still where... It's a lot of assuming. Yeah, it's a lot. So, that was the thing, was like, this movie was was great for just having those rules and kind of keeping with it, but playing up on that, just, you know, just kind of keeping it in, in motion with all that stuff. And it also reminded me back to um, the Leslie Vernon... Uh, behind the mask, where they, like he, he, they go through all of these scenarios. Yeah. It's the same kind of thing where they're doing the setup, and this is what we have to do to to get to the final girl. Yeah, and but again, with the satirical nature of the movie, the ghost faced, the ghost faced character itself is just generic masked villain. They even go so far when the cops are, they get their hands on one of the masks because. Uh, Principal Henry had one. They were like, what they say that every they, every costume store within the next five counties has these. So they basically yeah, get every, the most generic dime store costume they can find. But for teenagers, these guys had their shit together because they were like, all right, we need to have a mask and we need to have a thing, but they wanted to be a little theatrical about it. So they found the most generic one they could find that was in just about every store for Halloween in that area. 
There's no way that it could be traced because it wasn't bought at a very specific place. It couldn't be traced back to them or having been purchased in only like one or two stores. No. Yeah. And and what's actually really cool is uh, as far as like a little trivia bit, um, Wes Craven, when he was going through and doing his uh, like location uh, findings, he was going through a house. Uh, that they were you know trying to plan on it was filming. a production designer was it the product okay yeah um but so they were going through and they found uh, they were walking through this room and they saw a mask on the wall and he was just like oh man i really like that but they didn't want to spend the money to get that the license for that mask so they're like, okay, let's take this mask and you create something completely brand new that looks like this mask so that ghost face mask, as generic as that is, it is something that is actually brand new and on its own. And it is right. one of those, when you see it now, it's like in like Spirit Halloween or whatever like that, it looks like a shitty dime store mask. It's That's just the way that it looks. And it is super effective. It works on mm-hmm. all levels. Like it, yeah. it, it's, it's it a was, good mask. And it was a good custom idea anyway because they had the full robe it could it was looser fit so it covered the shape of their body uh the mask covered you know because the the jaw was dropped so low that it covered their whole face their neck you couldn't see once they put gloves on there was no discerning features whatsoever pull the hood up they were a shape yeah the, the only thing that was a little different where it could maybe set you off was that uh, Stu's size? He's was, a lot taller. Was, was, he was definitely taller than, than Billy. Skeetle Rich is no slouch. He's still taller than average. He's like six foot, but I think Matthew Lillard's like six three or six yeah, four. Yeah, there's there's a definite. There's you can a tell there's a difference, difference for sure. But it's like when we see Ghostface, it's always it's just that that character like it's just that yeah. same size there's no there's never a difference in in the which is amazing know, it should have maybe it was the camera work or maybe it was the stunt guys that were inside of it but there was nothing to tip you off that it could have been two different guys because you never notice a size difference in the ghost face character which yeah. i thought was really strange it was either because there was enough time lapse between Ghostface sightings or just somehow because there was so much movement with running and flailing and the robe and everything else that maybe it was just hard to tell when it was Stu and when it was Billy. Yeah. Um, and, and I actually tried, there was a couple of times where I sat there and I tried to figure out, it's like, okay, is it is that is that Stu or is that going to be Billy? And like the... Um, the one with the with Tatum and the the the, the cat door, uh, the garage door, the murder. Yeah. Uh, I think that was Stu because of the just that comical, uh, real, you know, just kind of flair that Ghostface had during that scene where he's in the he's garage like, mm-hmm. and he's just and she's like, "Oh, am I supposed to be scared?" And he's like, "Hmm, that's yeah, that you're you're definitely gonna die." Like, and that's where I could see Stu's personality coming more. out of that a little bit more so than Billy. That scene was actually pretty funny because Rose McGowan could actually fit through the doggy door. Yeah. <laughs> they had to strap her in because she kept falling out. Yeah. Um, 
And this this one was an interesting Wes Craven movie too, because he skipped out on his typical trope of dumb cops. Yep. He had Dewey, who was I think we mentioned at the beginning where he was a uh, sort of an unconfident rookie cop, he but was, he wasn't he was a try hard. But he wasn't dumb. No, and. It was funny, you actually mentioned uh, when we were watching the movie, you're like, oh my god, another fucking, like, he did his thing again where he's just a dumb cop. And I had to, like, step back and I'm like, Dewey's not actually dumb. Like, he was the one that went out and, you know, ran the, the costume and, like, found out that, you know, like, he did all the research and he's, you know, he's making sure that yeah. the girls are safe and it's, it's just, he just living with his mom and i think it's because he's a bit he's new he's he's a bit bumbly it doesn't help that his sister emasculates him quite a lot yeah. either but like that, tatum's pretty vicious but that's that's what i mean it's like he's not a dumb cop and he's doing his job and he's doing it to the best of his abilities it's just it just sucks because he's living in his, in, his, in his mom's house he's also too i know he was originally written to be sort of a beefcake but the way David Arquette played him and the way he was rewritten, Dewey was too almost too sweet to be a cop. Like he was a very gentle, yeah, sincere kind of person. He hasn't he hadn't had that uh the force has hardened him. Yeah, there's no edges. Yeah. And 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 Gail Weathers, like, she sees that and she automatically locks in on him and like right, she, uses, she does his like her journalist womanly ways and she tries to woo him. She thinks he's an easy target. Yeah. And he is. Like, it was very easy for her to pull him in. Yeah. But then, but then it actually works out where she's like, oh, shit. Like. You kind of like him. He's a really sweet guy. And I really, and I like, and you could definitely tell, like, there was a connection there. And what's also really funny is that Courtney Cox and David Arquette actually fell in love and got married. I mean, they divorced in, like, 2013. But still, it's like they found each other. They were together for a pretty good long while, and they had their daughter. So it was, but she was much older than him. I think she had eight years on him at this point or something. I don't know. But she was considerably older than he was, and it was the same thing in Scream. It was younger, sort of rookie dude, and much older woman, and they ended up becoming a thing. And that's just, you know, life imitated art a little bit. Uh, which I thought was it was actually yeah. really sweet, but but, it, but that was the thing was like with all the cops, you know they were it was nice to see that it's like all the cops were actually doing their job and and trying to put forth that effort as far as as much as they possibly could. Yeah, this wasn't so, a case of go get my dad, you asshole. Yeah, that was not an issue here. Yeah, or or like in a Black Christmas where it's like all right, uh, what I need you to do is leave the house. And, you know, don't say anything. Oh, my God, the murderer's in the house. You need to get, like, none of that. Yeah, like, that was Bob Clark, though. That was not Wes Craven. But no, same idea. Still. Dumb cop. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, that was that was an interesting choice. I'm surprised that um, they managed to make Dewey work because if it was anybody but David Arquette, I think the Dewey character would have gone totally sideways and would have just been like, oh, my God, fucking kill him already. Yeah. It's... I, I could see it where, I mean, he was definitely like that Barney Five kind of character. 
Um, he but, should have been in Mayberry, not in Woodsboro. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I could definitely see him being a small town cop, mm. uh, just because of his the demeanor and it's just like I'm, I'm just, I'm just here, man. Like, He's more I'm, the guy who would catch the teenagers drinking underage, going, "All right, I gotta take you home to your on, mom guys. now. Yeah, break it up. Yeah, yeah let, come on, like you don't need all this. He's not a hard ass or anything nope. like that." Um, but he, again, very lovable and he's a try hard. So, I mean, it's, it's good. Like uh, points to Dewey. Now, uh, the one thing that I, would, points. I will say ruins the Dewey character is scary movie. <laughs> Mom, I told you not to bug me when I'm cleaning my room. <laughs> <laughs> that whole thing of like, hey, you ever, you ever uh, he was like, yeah, smell my fingers, what's that? That's when you know when you become a man. Oh, really? Smell my fingers. Oh, what's that? My ass? <laughs> it's like, come on. It's just the whole thing. The scary like, movie franchise oh. has ruined so many for me. And I don't think it helps that we just watched Scary Movie 1 a couple months ago. Yeah. So it's like, it's still it's pretty fre- fresh. It's fresh enough that when we got to the scene with Tatum in the garage, all I could see was Shannon Elizabeth in uh, the locker room with the killer. And she's going, oh, Mr. Killer, you're going to come get me? Oh, and then she's like, I'm going to break my own leg. And he's like, why? Yeah, oh, God, no, why? <laughs> so, but that was the thing. It was like, scary movie, it was funny that they, they well, you know that they made the movie and they based it off of Scream, and I guess Scream was but uh, supposed to be called Scary Movie. That's like, why they when the spoof yeah. happened, they named it the way that so, they did. So yeah. and and I love that they did that. Yeah. Um And I absolutely love Scary Movie. Like I think Scary Movie up to three is when I like okay that that's it's too much. We're that's, all, that's all you need to do. Um, but it's kind of like a Weird Al song for me. Uh, it's, yeah. It, I absolutely love Weird Al, but I, I can never listen to a lot of those original songs without playing the Weird Al song in the back of my head. It gets ruined qu- yeah. quite a bit. Yeah. So same thing with Scary Movie. Like the whole time, uh, like there's that one scene where uh, Casey's mom and dad are, I, I, well, I think it's... Uh, in Scary Movie 1 where they're driving down the road and Casey's like, help, help, help. And like, oh. Yeah, dad's getting roadhead. Dad's getting roadhead. I'm like, I'm like in my in my mind, I'm watching the parents come down the road and scream. And I'm like, and all I can think about is. Is dad getting roadhead? <laughs> dad getting roadhead and smashing into the girl. It's like, well, that that's ruined for me. But it's still one of those, like, it's, it's great that they did it. But. Like there are times where it's like those little parts that 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 are ruined for me, and, oh, and for sure. Dewey, Dewey was one of them, um, or or even like when you when you mentioned like uh, so when um, Gail Weathers is, is sitting there talking, you're like, all I can see is Sherry O'Terry. That's all I can see now is is just hearing that that voice. Yep. And and I absolutely love Sherry, but like it's and I I kind of miss that. But she's, once you see it, you yeah. can't unsee it, and that's the hardest part. Do you have a favorite? Do you have a favorite kill in this one? Um, I would have to say my favorite. I would have to say the the cat door, the in the garage. Oh, Tatum's death. The, yeah, Tat- Tatum's death was was probably one of my favorites just because one nipples, uh, two dude, 
They cranked the AC. <laughs> they did not. They that did was not like unnecessary. Less of them, like everyone in the production, like did they were like, all right, let's let's do a test shot, and then she's just standing in the doorway, nipples, looking good. Let's move on. <laughs> all right, action. Like it's like nothing. So, but uh, but yeah, the, the Tatum thing worked out because she's she's going in and getting a whole bunch of beer from the the fri- uh, you know outdoor fridge. And then, it's just so ridiculous. Like the whole the whole thing is set up, but just seeing Ghostface there, just kind of lounging and just waiting for her, and just and just holding up a knife and trying to freak her out, and she's just like, oh ha ha ha, like just the nonchalant, yeah, yeah. And then just the yeah, no, I'm gonna kill you, and then just the, like then the whole the the skirmish that that takes place and then just her just the only thing she can think of is to climb through this cat door that we see a cat go through before so we're set up that something can go through there obviously we know what a, a cheap foreshadowing you know, a, yeah that's that's what it is so it's like she's that's the only way that she can get out is through that little hole and she ends up getting stuck and crushed into the but that, like as i'm thinking about it, i was like as a grown man that kind of has a known of like how like mechanical stuff works, even like base knowledge of yeah, it. Yeah, it's like uh, I'm pretty sure the weight of her would have stopped that thing from going up. Rose and... McGowan was teeny, so probably yeah. That if not the at the very least the sensor would have gone off yeah. and the garage door to come back down. And it's like in those uh, like the the aluminum that a lot of those like the garage door like the the boxes are like set up on or like the, so the motor lightweight gun. dude uh, very like yeah f- kind of flimsy like so i don't know if it's like if if the weight of her would have held that and then like it would just dropped or whatever i don't know if she would have actually been crushed and it's like i would love to see a mythbusters on this and <laughs> but that, yeah. that but that'll probably never happen so but that that was probably one of my my favorites that's pretty cool yeah. um i think Stu was probably my favorite because of how silly it kind of ended up being they first of all the whole premise of you stab me i'll stab you is way over the top but the fact that Stu knew that billy was psychotic legitimately like psychopath crazy pants and he thought he could trust billy to not cut too deep or hit something vital was very naive on his part and just the whole thing where Billy stabs him deep enough that he's like I'm bleeding real bad and it's just it's kind of drawn out it's a little PJ Souls in Halloween but the the ad-libbing was really funny because the there was a scene where Sydney calls on the cell phone with the voice changer and Billy gets the phone and he's like I'm coming to get you you bitch and he drops the phone on Stu's head that was an accident that was not supposed to happen and Matthew Lillard's natural response was you just hit me with the phone you dick and Wes Craven thought that was so funny he kept it in the movie and uh, I was like, oh, that's fun. It's a good choice. And he's just laying there with his head on the <sighs> desk, and he's, my mom and dad are going like, to... Oh, like, no. He finds out the cops are coming. Yeah, Sydney's like, I already called the cops. He's like, you did? My mom 
mom and dad are gonna be so mad and he starts to cry and he's just sitting there bleeding out and he's like i'm getting really cold man like it's just yeah, it was like, so over the it's top good. But, like, there's, like, that one was really good. And on top of that, it's, like, uh, we also forgot to mention that. Uh, so not only did, uh, you know, Billy and Stu frame or, you know, kill Sydney's mom and then frame another man, but they also kidnapped her dad. Yeah, and they were going to frame him for all of the <laughs> They have him duct tape in the room and they're, like, yeah, cutting him. If and... Dewey hadn't have found uh, Mr. Pratt's. Mr. Prescott's car, I that would have been the tip off. Uh, I, I think it would have been an even bigger surprise that they had him. Although I am kind of glad they did that route because uh, Mr. Prescott was a red herring because yeah. he was going at it. They actually, Kevin Williamson, and I know what you did last summer. Kevin Williamson really failed in writing like the bait and switch red herring sort of plot points throughout the movie it was either he was really bad at writing them in that move in that script or the director was really bad at executing them in this one there were so many it sydney's dad went out of town sydney's mom was killed someone else was framed she was killed for being a hosky so it's like maybe her dad did it and then there was the billy angle and then there was just so many potential setups as to who the killer could be it was, it was, I think, not one of the rules, but it was one of the things that Randy mentioned in the video store when he was having his rant. He said this at full volume in the store. Oh, yeah. he's Everybody's like, a he's, suspect! Yeah, he's preaching. And, like, the girl behind him is just, like, awkwardly, like, um, I'm uncomfortable. And she's, like, <laughs> looking around. She's like, does anybody else hear this? Because this is crazy as shit. Uh, let's leave. Yeah, yeah. I got my sleepless in Seattle. Let's go. It was, that was... Really, what ended up happening in the movie is just about everybody was a suspect in this. It could have been Tatum, it could have been Billy, it could have been her, uh, Sydney's dad, it could have been Principal Hembry for all we knew. Well, they were like, oh, it could have been Randy. Yeah, like... and it, Randy got point the finger pointed at him, but I was. It's real obvious that it's not Randy. The only thing that would tip you off as to it potentially being him is his obsession with horror movies. Yeah. Because the killer was calling Casey and saying, what's your favorite horror movie? And asking her trivia pretty much to be like oh you don't want to kill your you don't want your boyfriend to die ask answer these questions to fuck with her yeah um but did you have any uh anything that you didn't like about the movie that i didn't like yeah did not um did did not d-i-d-n-o-t there's nothing glaring at me that bugged me about the movie there was it got a little fuzzy with some of the acting um it was when billy was do, trying to do some of the norman bates stuff i was like mm. like he got a little too norman bates and i was like eh. it, it wasn't reading well on screen for whatever reason i just think the delivery of of some of it was like mm, it's too much but overall not really. There's nothing in this that I was just like rolling my eyes at too too badly or bothered me at all. Um, at least not. And if there was, it obviously wasn't bad enough for me to remember it now. Which is good. Yeah. That is a good thing. 
Yeah, the only thing that I had a problem with on this movie was the <laughs> the poster box art. Um, yeah, the poster was... <laughs> choices were made, and they were not necessarily so, good ones. Now, when you see the, the Blu-ray or DVD now, uh, a lot of it is just you see the title scream, and then you get... It's the face with... You know the eyes, and it's you know covering the mouth. Yeah, I think it's Drew Barrymore. Um, well, yeah, I believe uh, it's still just the face, but yeah. it's the close up, which is that's great. I like that. It's very simple. It's it's evocative. Yeah, it, it yeah. really it does its it does its job. Now, but if you look at the original poster art, it doesn't make sense for their choices because Drew Barrymore. She is only in the movie for the first 12 minutes, and then yes. she dies. Yep. She was actually, uh, at, at first, casted as Sydney, but then Drew backed out and said, no, I don't think I should. I should be, because I think people will, actually, will be more uh, engaged with me being this other character that dies early, where they're like, oh my god, this big name anything can happen and she dies yeah um which was really smart of her to do that and then and it and and she could have done it and you know for a bigger payout or whatever it was but she she didn't which is great she was the janet lee yeah yeah um so but on the box art she is right up front and i think that what they did was they took these photos early on before any like official casting was was or done, probably shortly after official casting yeah. was done, and then, fo- like you know, photoshopped them all together because yeah. Skeet Ulrich has a goatee and he was definitely baby faced. That's what movie. I'm saying. It's like he was clean cut throughout the entire movie, but in this one, he looks like a fucking Jack Sparrow. Yeah, they maxed out his baby face Johnny Depp face in this movie for sure. Yeah. Um, and then Sydney, she's in the fucking back, like she's behind everybody. Mm-hmm. And it's and like she should have been in the the front and you know at the the focus of the whole thing, and it's like just so as my you know graphic designer marketing you know like how my artist mind works and it's just like why right like who made that decision to do that and that like that's the only problem that I actually have with the movie again which is a good problem because it's like eh doesn't really matter but it's just a right a, it's it's super nitpicky so it's I mean, just that's poster good. art but yeah um but what do you want to give your skull rating on this one scream's one of those that i i've always kind of i don't want to say held near and dear but i've always had a soft spot for it was probably craven at his peak it was you're talking 24 years after last house it was the kickoff to incredibly successful franchise that Craven helmed all the way up till his death. Uh, Scream 5 is supposed to be in pre-production right now. I, I don't know what's going on necessarily with that. I'd have to look into it more. Yeah. But Well, I, I've heard that uh, Courtney Cox is actually coming back as Gail Weathers. And, and Nev Campbell's rumored to come back too. Yeah. Um, so that'd be fun. But he, for the four current movies standing, Craven did all of them. And that's not that's not a thing. If there's a horror franchise, a director might do... Or if even a movie franchise in general, because you saw this with like Harry Potter and Twilight and Hunger Games and a lot of the big movie franchises where a director might do one or two, but then they move on. 
and they move on to a different director with a different vision or whatever the case may be. I, I almost feel like maybe with Scream, he was like, oh, I'm not doing that shit that I did with Freddy in Nightmare. No, no, no. He definitely learned his lesson <laughs> for sure. And I think working with Miramax was a lot different than working with New Line in the 80s. Um, so that means a lot. And honestly, all four movies are consistently good. Uh, there's a three is a bit of a dip. If I remember correctly, it's been a little while since I've seen Scream 3, but I definitely remember that one being a bit of a low point, but even that is better than most third installments in most horror series. Um, But overall, front to back, Scream 1 is probably a four and a half out of five for me. Um, Again, some of the dialogue's a little... uh, It's a little hokey. Um... Billy always seems like he was seemed like he was up to something, so I don't think Skeet Ulrich could really do the I'm an innocent kind of thing. I actually think uh, he and Nev Campbell had really good chemistry, and I don't know if it's because I've also seen them in The Craft together, which came out a little bit before this movie did, or if it's just they really read well together on screen, but they worked. And yeah, at the time, having Ulrich being a bit of the heartthrobby johnny depp throwback type didn't hurt and it blows my mind i was looking on imdb before we got on here i'm like he's 50 now matthew lillard they both just turned 50 this year i feel old (laughs) nice really old yeah that's good Uh, i mean because like the heartthrobs of my middle school years are now eligible for their aarp cards (laughs) <laughs> nice. <laughs> but it's just best not to think about it. I don't that. want to think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have to agree with you on the on all those points. Uh, there's times where, you know, you definitely felt like Billy was a snake in the grass and there was something that wasn't really right or you couldn't yeah. really pinpoint it. And I saw a lot of the manipulation out of him and doing that whole thing of like, oh, like, but you're supposed to love me. Don't you love me? And it, and it, there was a little. It's, there was it's, also a little too much of the, um, with the with him pushing with the sex thing. It was there was a little too much of the. Well, I'm not gonna wait around forever. Yeah, yeah, and the, and that's, that's shitty. Yeah, yeah, and so I saw a lot of that. Uh, but I'm actually gonna give this one. I'm gonna give this one a five. Yeah. This is a solid five for me. Like I absolutely love Scream. This is just one of those movies that it's it's just it's so simple, but it's got so much in it that just all the references and I'm I'm a sucker for Easter eggs and everything like that. I mean, one of my it just one that just comes to mind is the scene with uh, the principal. So he just gets done just giving those major tongue lashing to these two asshole kids that went and got the mask and they're running around the school you know acting like jackasses and so he expels them and then he kicks them out of the the classroom and he's sitting there and he's rummaging through his closet and when he opens up the door you see a leather jacket 
Well, that's the Fonz. Like, that's a reference to, you know, to there's Arthur a, there was two. There was two references to the Fonz. There was that, and then there was another one when he was screwing around with the ghost face mask. He takes it off, and he smooths out his hair. He does it with, like, the Fonz motion yeah. and stuff. Like, it was, so, it was cute. Like, that was really cool. But then in that same scene, he hears a noise out in the hallway, and you're, like, you're kind of, like, set on edge, and he opens up the door... And there's a janitor out there, and he's, like, mopping him. He's like, ah, oh, it wasn't me. The janitor is in a Freddy gimmick. Like, he's in the, the red, the red he's and in green the original, sweater. the original sweater. The, the original sweater with the hat, and he's just mopping up. And then, like, he's like, oh, it wasn't me. I don't know what you're talking about. The principal's like, oh, god damn it, Fred. And he just shuts the door. I'm like, that's fucking great. It's very simple. It's very low-hanging fruit. It's so low. But it's so good. That's probably the most blatant uh, reference that I've I've seen. The, the Arthur Fonz like the the leather jacket one. If you're not paying attention to it, you're not gonna notice it. Or if you even know who the hell Henry Winkler is, you know, then then you're not gonna get it. I I grew up watching Happy Days, so I yeah, automatically was just like boom, and I love Henry Winkler, so it's awesome. I love him in all of the. But Adam like Sandler I mean, movies. all the stuff with uh, the references, like at the at the beginning with uh, Casey. She, uh, you know, all the stuff with the horror movies and just the the questionnaires and things like that uh, was great. And, oh, my God, the fucking fire hazard with that the popcorn. Holy shit. Like, <laughs> that that drove me nuts with that scene. The ca- the popcorn was just meant to be a symbol. That's all. No, no, but I'm, I'm just saying, like, it's Of just, the increasing chaos. Like, oh, my God, it's fucking on fire. Like, it's fine, and then things start growing um, in intensity until the room's smoking. But then, but that scene uh, where the parents come, come home, and they're like, oh, my God, where's Casey? Where's Casey? The dad tells the mom to go off to uh, the neighbor's house. I, I forget the... The McKenzie's. The, the McKenzie's. And that's uh, Lori from Halloween tells both the children to go to the McKenzie's house. So, again, uh, there's a lot of references back and forth to uh, Halloween, like the original Halloween, and uh, also later on in Halloween H2O, they are playing uh, Scream 2, and, like, they just kind of keep doing this, like, tennis match back and forth and just referencing each other, which is great. Um, it's so a little yeah. bit like what Sam Raimi does with Wes Craven. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, there's it's a whole bunch of that, and I absolutely love it. So I'm giving this one a five. And the fact that our son now is a Ghostface fan, that also bumps it up to that five five status, too, because not only do I love it, but my son loves it. Yeah, and that's it's, fun. It's, it's great. So yeah. um, I'm, I'm all in. It's cool. good stuff. And Ghostface is always great. I think this is a good way to put a cap on West Craven Month. I think yeah. ending with probably his most successful movie and most successful franchise. I dare say this is more successful than Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, In terms of butts and seats, dollars, and the success of the franchise as a whole. I would have to look into that, but at the same time, I would not hold the franchise to it because he only did the he only bookended nightmare he did all of scream right so it's like but that's, you what, have I'm, to, but that's what i'm saying though if you if you're looking at scream one versus nightmare one i think that this is gonna go i think i i would argue that scream 
was Wes Craven's greatest success. Yeah. And and it's his greatest success because he can kind of let loose and play up on all that but at the same time it, it was a it was a perfect storm of things it yeah. was the, the right cast with the right script at the right time in his life um it just all worked together really really well the the acting was was really well done yeah. everyone was believable in their roles your, your survivor girls it was sydney it was was was, she was fantastic. Nev Campbell was fantastic. Yeah, and there was no, there was no, no shenanigans at the end. There was no yeah. nothing stupid going on. So, I dare say this is Wes Craven's most successful film, his most successful film franchise, and um, probably the most him of his series. Yeah, he was really brutal in the seventies. The 80s got real touch and go, but he roared back to life with Scream. Um, at a, <laughs> Thanks to a 10-year-old talking right. shit. <laughs> 10-year-old <laughs> ran in the mouth. It, it just, it all works, and it kicked off, and the whole franchise was successful. All four parts were top-grossing movies at the time they came out. They made a fuckload of money. They were really well done. The voice in the t- like, because it was essentially one voice throughout all four movies, it was coherent and it worked. Yeah. And you didn't have one person's vision stepping on the previous person's vision and them going, well, I didn't like this and they were going to retcon something and they, or they were going to move outside of the series to do something else. Looking at you, Michael Myers directors, and like just, yeah. Scream was amazing, and Scream was the movie that successfully revived the horror genre yeah. when everyone thought it was on was dead or on life support. And I mean, and and Ghostface now you could really put him at the helm with all of those other like with with you know the horsemen of of slashers where you got you know Freddy. Jason, Michael, uh, Chucky. I mean, so like Ghostface is in that mix, and he he deserves to be like he's fantastic. Like, and it's so simple yet it, just it, effective. Yeah, just it's, a, it's great. It was just a shitty, a shitty black costume somehow turned into something really iconic and really recognizable. And it's amazing how that worked out. And it's still, it's a bit of a head scratcher because you look at it and you're like, it really is just a shitty costume. Yeah. But it, but it works on all right. levels. Yeah. It's so good. And so. I mean, you could say the same thing about Michael Myers where it's like, oh. They spray painted. Yeah, I know. They melted down and spray painted a William Shatner mask. Yeah. But I mean, it, but it, at the same time. It, it's working for a lot of other people, except for when they drew eyebrows on it. Yeah, that was that was fucking horrible. I don't. So, <laughs> so but all right. So that yeah. is it for West Craven yeah. Month. Thank you guys so much for joining us. This is fun. However, for the month of September, we're switching gears again. Yeah, it's that time. New of the, series. It's that time of the year that every kid dreads. It's the close of summer vacation. And it's back to school time. Here in Central Florida, we're already in the throes of school. Things started back just this week. But 
for most of the country, they don't start back till after Labor Day. And uh, so we have lovingly decided to title the theme for this month our Back to Cruel Month. So we're going to be doing a series of movies that are school-related in one way or another, whether it's a high school or a college. They're all going to be students and that sort of thing. But we're going to kick this one off by revisiting our favorite horror author, Stephen King. And we're going to do Carrie from 1976, which I cannot wait to do. Mm. I love this story quite a lot and I just recently I think I finished the book like a month or so ago I've never never read the book you I'm should I've seen the movie it's an I'm easy gonna read to, I'm gonna have to read the book it's an easy read it's pretty short yeah. but yeah so join us next week as we venture back to Maine to go visit some Stephen King lore mm-hmm. but in the meantime join us on the social medias on Instagram Facebook and Slasher at Creepin' It Real R-E-E-L is a movie reel if you want to maybe offer up some suggestions or give us some feedback, you can email us at creepinitreal.cm at gmail.com. And just a reminder about the merch situation, because I'm nothing if not a gratuitous whore. Hit up the Redbubble page, red, uh, creepinitreal.redbubble.com for all the merchy stuff. Just a reminder, Christmas isn't that far away. Oh my god, and you can buy so much so much. So much for those that you love, all the horror fans. So yeah, get on that. And thank you guys so much. And until next time, I've been Meg. Uh, I've been Lunchbox. And skate, 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 goddamn. <laughs>